Welcome everyone to the Special Education Inner Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Witcher, and today I have with me Mandy, who is going to bring you the perspective of a general education teacher who has experience at the IEP table, who has some phenomenal strategies for you that are extremely relevant for today and beyond what is happening in the moment right now. So Mandy, thank you for being here today. Yeah, thanks, Catherine. I'm super pumped, super excited. Yeah, this is gonna be great. So um, we have so much to share. We have so much to really bring to both parents and teachers on what they can do. And I wanted to talk to you a long time ago. You and I exchanged some emails. I had seen what you were doing and something called the flipped classroom, which you'll tell us all about. I was so excited and then like, the world shut down. Kind of. Yeah. We had to like take care of stuff in our own camps of what yes. was going on. And I was like, okay, now's the time. Now's yes. the time for us to really um, collaborate at, and bring this information to the team. So, can you first tell me a little bit about your background, how you ended up, you know, at an IEP table, a little bit of your experience there? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Hi, guys. I'm Mandy Rice of teachonamission.com. And uh, I spent just over 10 years in the classroom as a high school social studies teacher. Um, I've only been out of the classroom for a couple of years now, and I can explain kind of that journey. But um, yeah, so general education teacher um, in social studies, been at quite a few IEP meetings, um, really each quarter that I was teaching, right? Like in meeting the needs of, of all of our students. Um, and through my my 10 years, um, started flipping my classroom really early on, where, and for those of us who don't know, flip classroom has been a little bit more relevant recently, right? So more people know about it, but it, not everybody, and that's okay. It's where instead of the teacher spending all of the time at the front of the classroom during class, they take what they would do there and make it homework via a video or they make it um, kind of more compact and concise at the beginning of class. So it doesn't always have to be homework because that's not obtainable for a lot of students. Um, So it it really can mold and work with a lot of different teachers and students and contents and subjects. Um, I always say that no two flipped classrooms should or ever will look the same. And that's that's a good thing, right? Um, So in doing all of that, I also was training teachers and here's how you can flip your classroom, whether it was at my building or at like state technology conferences for teachers. Um, and that kind of built and built and built. And now that's really solely what, what I focus on in my business. So I, I love that you were doing flipped classroom before flipped classroom was cool. Like we were, we're all forced into it right now (laughs) capacity. And I was like, Oh, you're like the original person who started saying like, Hey guys, there's a whole lot of benefits to not just being at the front of the classroom with, um, kiddos, you know, trying to engage with you at all different levels. And when I reached out to you, I said, I love this. And I could see this working in special education. Is this something that, you're familiar with or you could touch on or that we could talk about because my brain immediately went to oh my goodness like i wish when i was in the classroom um 20 some years ago that i wish that we would have had this type of technology to do this and you um said absolutely this can be done for differentiation so let's talk a little bit about that can you just share about like let's uh, let's think about a classroom that might be a resource room for a special education teacher 
Yep. And parents, I want you to imagine your child walking into a room like this. This is how they could get their services delivered. Can you talk about how differentiation with a flipped classroom might look? Yes. So uh, most oftentimes the most questions, most frequent questions that I get about the flipped classroom is, man, is it really worth it? Like, what are the benefits? Like, I can kind of see it paying off in the long run. It's a lot kind of more time up front. But um, and the there's a ton I could spend, you know, 14 podcast interviews on, on those. But one of the biggest ones that gets me and really every time I talk about it and I'm in conversations with teachers, I get goosebumps talking about it, that the differentiation alone makes it worth it. Um, and I say makes it worth it as if it's like, you know, some awful task that you have to do. It's not, but it is not like super easy. It's not a silver bullet either, right? Like it's not going to solve all problems, but it's a technique that I've been doing for a long time and helping other teachers do and differentiation is absolutely huge. Um, what I explained to teachers, and this could be in a general classroom or in a resource room too, but you have a whole wide gamut of students between your students who are our sponges, right? And that they just sit and listen and they get it from you. But then at the other end, we have students who either need to raise their hand or always raise their hand to ask, can you slow down? Or can you repeat that? Or I'm not understanding that, right? And if they're introverted, they're never gonna raise their hand. So they just don't get it. They just silently sit and they don't get it. And then they're frustrated and they're not doing well and no one really understands why, right? So that just kind of comes out. So many students, like I can just see the parents and teachers heads nodding of like, yes, okay, tell me about that student. Tell me yes. how to reach that. Yes. Because where we're at right now, and, and we'll talk more about in a timely, you know, um, kind of manner of what's happening right now. We'll put this in perspective for you guys. But that's, that's like the hardest student to reach because you don't see the struggle until it almost feels like it's too late. Too late. Yep. Yep, until it feels like it's too late. Yeah. So let's just say they aren't introverted, right? And they do raise their hand and it's quite often, right? Well, hopefully it's subtle, but there is a little bit of humiliation for that child, whether it's an eye roll from the person next to them or, you know, the sponge child who's like already in tomorrow with our understanding, right? It's, there's some humiliation there. When the teacher is put into a video, and the teacher's knowledge and their personality and the things that they have to say about here's how you can best learn XYZ. That child now gets to pause their teacher, rewind and listen again to their teacher, and no one has to know. Oh, I so not only does do they get to skip over that whole humiliation part, but now there's a bit of advocacy for themselves. They get to say, oh, wait, I need to learn this again. That's like so metacognitive, right? That a ton of students, even at the upper high school level, don't even have, right? Yes. <laughs> so it's, man, that's such a lesson that all students could benefit from, especially those who who just take a little longer to grasp something um, or, you know, need some services that, to help them get it in the first place. And boom, here's an accessible video not just accessible at home, but accessible to these kids who need to have their teacher repeat themselves. Right. That so, now no one has to know. So we have, you know, like, let's, let's put some 
fancy words in here because you're starting to describe the difference between synchronous and asynchronous learning. And, and those are words that are being tossed around as if everybody was using them before March 2020. And that's not true. That There was a select group of people that spoke in that language with that vocabulary. And all of a sudden, we have parents and teachers getting schedules that have like stars, asynchronous, synchronous, or highlights, or, you know, Google calendars that are filled with all these different things. And we've got people that are showing up for synchronous learning when really it was asynchronous time and all this different stuff that's happening. So can you break down? So you just described like, okay, we've got this video, we've mm -hmm. got this concept of flipped classroom. We're going to dive more into how that, that looks and and, and what it what it can be for a parent, for a teacher, for students and that. But let's put the fancy words kind of in in tandem with what you're describing. Yeah. So it, it's funny, too, because now you see teachers shortening them. It's not asynchronous and synchronous. It's async and sync. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. I feel so <laughs> like a millennial right now. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. So, yeah, something that I kind of um, explain to teachers to help help and, and, and for parents too, because, you know, parents have been in school, they've experienced this too, that they've always existed. They've always existed. It's just kind of like a continuum, right? And you have asynchronous and synchronous within that continuum and it shifts like me in a traditional classroom, asynchronous is maybe 20 to 30% or less, right? Depending on how much you assign during what has traditionally been homework. And then synchronous is just the 45 minute, 90 minute, however long of a bell or a period that you have with students, right? That's your synchronous time. They've always existed. It's just been in class time or classwork, right? Versus homework. So now that continuum of where asynchronous was taking up just a little bit and synchronous was taking up a lot, it's shifting, right? It's shifting and that we're having to put more in asynchronous. And what we're learning as we're experiencing life since March is that, man, this is overwhelming. It's incredibly overwhelming to know, first off, what are these two, you know, opportunities, essentially, and looking at them opportun as opportunities, I think is key. I love um, that. I, I love that right there. So I want everybody to just pause and realize this is an opportunity. And that's, yeah. that's you know, there is a silver lining in figuring out how to use asynchronous and synchronous long-term. Like I said, you were yeah. doing it before this happened. You're yeah. going to be doing this after mm -hmm. everybody gets back in school full-time. And in my thought, everybody should be doing something like this. Use this newfound skill. But you just described what I'm seeing in the teacher community where everybody is overwhelmed with a lot of things, with this asynchronous and synchronous learning for a different reason than parents. So parents are overwhelmed because it's all brand new and kids are home and they can't work like they used to. And I get all of the things that are happening there. But I see that teachers are trying to do an equal amount of asynchronous and synchronous learning. So they're like double lesson planning. They're like double showing up. They're staying up till 10 o'clock recording videos. Okay. Yeah. And, it, and they're not realizing that, like you said, like a shift, right? Like they don't have to be equal because they weren't equal when we were in the classroom. Yeah. So why are we doing that right now. And I'm, I'm hearing you right in that, right? Like we need to shift and, and you don't have to do double the work to make yep. this happen. 
Right. But then what do we do? Right. And so I think my number one or my first, let's just say I have a lot of number one things to tell people. But my first thing that I want to tell teachers and helping them um, and this can help parents, too. But in wrapping our minds around asynchronous and synchronous is that the teacher has to essentially define what the purpose is of each learning opportunity. Right. Yeah. Because we don't see our students five days a week for, you know, let's say 45 minutes every day. We see them twice a week and then we see them, quote, I'm using my air quotes, right? We see them outside of class, however much time we have during asynchronous. We need to define what is the purpose of synchronous versus asynchronous time. What and that's I hear, to every teacher. Yeah. So and what I hear is like, I always say, cut out the fluff, like decide what the purpose is. And yeah. this makes you think real hard, um, yeah. you know, and, and that leads into something else that I saw in one of your recent emails that you had sent out. I read all your stuff because <laughs> it gives such a perspective of what is possible. It is that, that word of opportunity mm -hmm. um, for teachers to take this to the next level and for it not to be such um such a struggle long term. It's uh, new things are always a struggle. They're supposed to be hard. Uh, mm -hmm. Nothing's easy right away uh, with that. But what I'm hearing you say is that they need to make a decision, right, of of what the purpose is and what to take out. What might it doesn't work like it does when you're in the classroom in that way. I love that from a special education perspective because a lot of times when we're modifying work, we're taking out the fluff. We're like, what does a child really need to know? Like we don't have yes. time for all the bells and whistles. Just what does a child need to know. But that leads to um, two words that um, I love right now. And uh, because it describes what's happening, which is decision fatigue. And I think yeah. that's part of what's happening is it's like, okay, well, I got all these decisions, asynchronous or synchronous. So, so do I record it? Or do I teach this when I show up on that zoom meeting? What, yeah. what am I doing? And then, you know, how do I, how do I pick the most important stuff? How do I make that happen? Are you seeing decision fatigue in a lot of places? Oh my gosh. I have it in my personal life, yes. <laughs> right? Like no wonder Steve Jobs wore a black turtleneck every day. <laughs> yes. yes. Right? For those of you who don't know, I love that. I love that. That's exactly what it is. I mean, like there's yeah. a reason that I have on my master IEP coach t-shirt today because I didn't have to think about what matched. <laughs> I just had to put on my master IEP coach t-shirt because I'm here doing master IEP coach things with yep. you. Steve Jobs wore a black turtleneck. He's like, I don't have time to make that decision. I've got other things to do in my life. Yeah. And choose my clothes. So yeah. I love that. So decision fatigue. Yes, it's happening in our personal life. It's definitely happening for teachers. Yeah. And it's a matter of um, what you're going to be using your brain power for, which is kind of related to um, a, a point I want to bring up that kind of brings together this whole purpose of asynchronous versus synchronous time and decision fatigue. In deciding the purpose of both of those, and, and I guess this is kind of a pointer I want to give to teachers, to help you do that, think of what is the most valuable use of you as the teacher, because that really is the difference between synchronous and asynchronous time. Now, granted, I would advocate that asynchronous time is a video of you introducing mostly for the first time, newer concepts, right? So they still have access to you in the asynchronous time that way. But I mean, living, breathing, in-person you, what is the purpose of you? And it's that you are a human, you are an educated educator, 
right? So think about your purpose in showing up inside of your classroom each day. It's not to stand up at the front of the room and talk to all 30 or so of them as if they are one human being. It's not. It's you're in small groups, you're working one-on-one, -on -one, right? That's the most effective that's the most effective use of your most effective tool in your toolbox. And that's you. That's the teacher. Research shows that time and time again. So if you're deciding, okay, what is the most effective use of me during a, or I'm sorry, during synchronous time, right? That's me responding to the needs of my students based off of formative assessment data, um, the questions that they ask, all of that, because of what I did during asynchronous time. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. I'm just quiet because I'm leaning in and listening. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. Just make sure. <laughs> I'm like, yes, keep keep going, Mandy. Tell yes. those teachers, tell those teachers that we love them and we want more of them and they want to give more. That's the thing. Yeah. They want to give more. Yeah. To give more that doesn't have to be in real time all the time. Yes. It can, you know, there are pieces that can be recorded. You can still show your awesomeness on a video. Absolutely. You can go there. Think about what what is best that you teach uninterrupted. If mm -hmm. I can just go through these three teaching points, then I can move on to help the students do whatever that is. Yes. What are those three teaching points that you mm -hmm. need to like just put them on a video? And yep. you know what? Next year, use it again. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. That's something I started saying early on in like March and April is that guys, we're about to do a ton of work for this whole remote learning thing. And then maybe next year for blended or whatever we want to call it hybrid. But I'm telling you, if we're going to be doing this much work as teachers, it better last beyond this. And to me, that's what the flipped classroom does. That, that it, the answer there is the flipped classroom. So let's it, talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about the, you know, um, the flexibility that that's not being a band-aid fixed, that there's yeah. ways to put this in perspective, that mm -hmm. this does not have to be a short-term struggle with a short-term solution. This can be a struggle that was that was forced onto us, but it could be a long-term solution. But how do you how do you really make that happen? Yeah, so it's it comes down to understanding what the flipped classroom is and how it can work in your unique setting, right? With your course, your subject area, your grade level, um, your specific background of your students, all of the above. And one of the big things that I hear from teachers is, I don't know that I could assign the videos as homework. I would encourage teachers to try if they if that's kind of a resistance or where they think they're going to it's going to be an obstacle for their students. Try maybe one a week and see how it goes. Um, but with that being said, no two flipped classrooms can or should ever look the same. Right. You want to decide about your flipped classroom and make decisions that are going to really optimize your student success for sure. And it really comes down to deciding how are we using asynchronous versus synchronous time. Um, and so the asynchronous time almost always is a video of the teacher explaining the new content, right? That's the direct instruction or the lecture that they're doing at home. Because let's talk about that for a minute. That's very low on Bloom's taxonomy, right? The students yeah. are just learning it for the first time, they are trying as much as possible to just be sponges, <laughs> to yeah. just absorb the information, jot down a few key things that'll help them later on in remembering it. 
That's the quote, easier parts of learning. The harder parts of learning are when they go to apply it, when they go to practice it and actually implement it themselves. Well, in a traditional classroom, students were doing that outside of their classroom without any help, no teacher, no classmates. And so when they were fumbling on things, if they even recognized that they were fumbling on it, right? They would just continue making those mistakes, come to class super frustrated and ready to just give up. Well, now in the flipped classroom, the harder parts of learning, they're doing in class, meaning in the presence of you, their teacher and their classmates, so that it's a healthy environment where kids can make mistakes and learn from them. I just had a huge thought process as you were saying, like this is about introducing something for the first time. And I'm thinking about, you know, from a special education teacher perspective, uh, our students and parents, you guys are experiencing this firsthand right now at home. Our students are often not engaged with something the first time they see it because they don't know why are they learning it. And I don't like this book and I've never seen this book. And this is, they're not thinking, is this book gonna be funny? Like, should I lean in and listen to the first 15 pages? It's really hard. And I see a lot of special education teachers that are like, okay, I'm gonna use my Zoom meeting to put my five to seven students in there at the same time and I'm gonna introduce this new book to them. And the child's up out of their seat and they're not in the Zoom meeting and then we're saying they don't have attention. And it's like, well, I used to read a book in my classroom and I could have them sit and listen to that first read through because they had that hands-on experience and I'm seeing that struggle and I'm thinking why are we not recording all of this and you know what let the parent play it as a bedtime book mm -hmm. let the parent play and you know for the teachers that are worried like oh I can't assign this as homework you can with flexibility if you say you know what I'd love for your child to watch this video three times this week yep because next week then the teacher can do the tough part, right? The teacher can be like, what are the WH questions? And, and start doing that engagement piece that the parents are like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, I'm not edgy, like I'm not certified to do that, right? right? Absolutely. But a parent can absolutely be like, watch your teacher read this book. Like just watch your yeah. teacher read this book. And they can do whatever motivators they need to do at home. They could do the best time of day at home. It might become a routine while mom's trying to cook chicken nuggets for the fourth time this week that they just put the book on and it ends up being like a book on audio. Yeah. They don't have to sit, but they could listen to it while they're playing Legos. Yeah, They could just listen to it. Oh my goodness, I wanna go shout this from the rooftops of like, yeah. why are we not just doing this? And it's different than a book on audio where a stranger is reading it. This is the teacher. And then yeah. they get to go hang out with the person and learn those WH questions. Oh my gosh, mind blowing. Like, yeah. why are we not doing this more? And I just had a thought as you were talking there, my old, well, both of my older two boys, but my oldest um, was back at school today. He was home for a couple weeks and um, he <clears throat> had to listen to like there, he's in the first grade, had to listen to a few different gingerbread man, girl, baby stories. And it was super easy, right? Just put it on and I'm fixing lunch really fast, something like that. But I also was able to sit and listen with them. Yes. And just kind of show like, oh, this is a really fun story. And it rem reminded me in my own flipped classroom on at least a weekly basis, my students would come into class saying, you know, I was doing my homework last night watching your video. And my dad totally sat down like, hey, what are you learning about? And he like watched the video with me. Yeah. And you know what? Now that you're saying that, I'm thinking of my high schooler. She came and showed me. So um, she's a senior. Okay. She's actually 
oh my goodness, everybody like say a prayer for me because she's graduating in like 12 days. She's graduating oh. early as a senior halfway wow. through the year. Cause you know, welcome to 2020. We're like, let's just be done yep. <laughs> in there. So, but she was showing me some of her videos for her history lesson and things that she was learning for the constitution test. And I'm thinking, yeah, I would have never gotten any, like, I learned the constitution. I took my test. I passed it a long time ago. I don't really have the need to learn it again, but I absolutely will watch a three or four minute video with her on a subject that she wanted to share with me. That absolutely. didn't even feel like work to me as a parent. Yeah. Exactly. And you're able to say like, oh, wow, that was kind of cool. I'm glad I learned that. So showing the child too, like, it's really interesting to learn even as an adult, I want to sit down and 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 learn this something new. It's kind of cool. Um, that's a bonding experience between you and your child and showing them that, hey, we can all learn the rest of our lives. Yes, absolutely. So, okay. So we talked about asynchronous and synchronous. I feel like, do I, should I be cool and be like async and sync? No, it's not. Nice. No, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. That was too much. My kids would be like, that was cringy, mom. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they don't listen to the podcast. Um, so, so, um, so we talked about that. We talked about decision fatigue that, and when yep. you're doing this decision fatigue, um, kind of, uh, process, that's what it is. It's a, it's this whole process of making these decisions in the middle yeah. of exhaustion and, and you're doing all that, that you have to remember that you have to cut out the fluff and keep yourself, uh, teachers. You need to keep yourself first in these decisions. And you have a word that you like to use, which is coordinating with a podcast that you have coming out. And that's yeah. the word sustainable. So can you, you know what, you know, just share with us why the sustainable podcast is called that? Like, what, what does this yeah. word sustainable mean to you as a teacher? Uh, and in your coaching other teachers, and right now, everything that applies to a teacher being sustainable, also applies to parents. Yes. So, so what does this mean? Okay. So yes, I am coming out soon with a sustainable teacher podcast. And um, I actually have a, a membership just, just for psychology teachers, because that was my like main um, course that I taught. And I'll have some other ones coming out soon, all being sustainable, like subject teacher, right? So here's, here's what it is. When I was teaching and became a mother times three, right? Everything became, I, I don't even have a word to describe. Like, it's right? A like, lot. just a lot. <laughs> I mean, think of your first, second, maybe even third year of teaching, right? It's every, and everyone knows this. It's like a rite of passage that it's incredibly overwhelming, that you cry on a weekly or da daily basis because it's so overwhelming. Um, and we just accept it as, yeah, what we do is hard that's not news right but then it only slightly gets easier as we go along and then maybe around year five plus we're especially at the high school level we're told you have to teach something totally different yes and we could be told that two weeks before school starts and i'm not here to complain about that system because what that means is that in the fluctuation of staffing we need a teacher for these kiddos right so it is what it is, but I do think that there are better ways to support teachers in those tough, incredibly overwhelming times that we don't have to just accept as overwhelming to where it's just acceptable that we sacrifice our evenings, weekends, quality time with our families, and even health and self-care so that we're serving our kids. Yes, what we do is amazing. It absolutely is, but teachers are not martyrs right? 
We are not martyrs. We are practitioners. We are professionals. And that doesn't mean that there has to be a distance between us and our kiddos as if, you know, oh, I'm the practitioner. No, no, that's that's not what it is at all. But the decisions that you make in your classroom, so deciding on the purpose of synchronous and asynchronous time, need to serve you throughout the school year, not just be in one lesson plan today, making all of those systems more sustainable for you. Because here's what it is. A sustainable teacher, a sustainable classroom has more impact over the long haul. They're staying beyond the statistic, right, of five years. And they're having impact with more kids over a longer period of time. So parents, I'm just going to, I'm going to put a little parent spin on this because I want to make sure that you're leaning in and that you're really flipping <laughs> this thought process yeah. so for what you're doing. So here's the thing. What Mandy's saying is teachers need to make this sustainable for them from their perspective. Parents, especially our special education parents who are going to be assisting their children with school through age 22, most of them, you have got to make your plan at home sustainable. If you are doing four hours of homework, some people just said four would be easy because they're thinking six hours of homework and you're sitting at the table doing math problems with meltdowns or you're doing math problems and you have to relearn algebra or you're doing those. That is not sustainable long term. That is not going to serve your family well long term. It's the same concept of teachers. You cannot do what you are doing right now long term. That does not serve your students well. It does not serve you as a person well. It does not serve your career well. It doesn't serve your family well. And parents, you can put up these same boundaries. And again, just like you're saying, teachers, you don't have to then put a wall up between you and the students and be like, hey, I'm the practitioner. You know, it's the same thing where you don't, you don't have to have that breaking point as a parent where you're like, I'm the parent and I'm not helping with school anymore because I've seen that. Yeah. It's the same concept of teachers leaving the classroom that parents decide to disengage. Yeah. Sometimes it's just for a few months. Sometimes it's for a year. And sometimes it's like they're done, like they're done, done. Yeah. And it's because they they haven't set up a sustainable routine of supporting their children at home. Parents and teachers, you guys have so much in common yeah. that it just want I just want to put you all in the same room, which is what I tend to do in my programs, because that's where, that's where I put you all in the same room and say, look. You're both experiencing the same thing. So let's fix, fix it for both of you. Yeah. And it's it's interesting you brought that up because um, those parents have been experiencing that forever, right? Yes. And I would argue that all parents, no matter where their student is, right, has been experiencing that since they've been home and very much had to decide like, wow, how is this going to work? And I remember personally thinking back in like May, wow, at some point, the way things are going, this is compromising my relationship with my child because it's a fight, right? Yes. So I need to, whew, I need to approach this a little differently so that I still have that bond, that connection that's healthy, but his academic success is important as well. Yeah. I love, I, I love that you just called that out, that this, this is definitely been a detrimental situation and many households and many classrooms yeah. to destroy relationships mm -hmm. and, you know, it, temporarily, like it doesn't have to be a long-term, oh my goodness, like yeah. teachers are all talking about how there's going to be this, you know, 
big wave of teachers leaving the classroom because yeah. they're just so frustrated with everything that's happening. I think, you know, really leaning into the positive opportunities of something like a flipped classroom could make you see what's possible long term. So we have a couple of resources that um, are directed towards teachers, but parents this is the reason that, and I actually talked to Mandy before this, and I was like, listen, I know this is for teachers, but I want parents to go sign up for this too, for this, uh, it's called the Ultimate Flipped Classroom, right? It's starter, a starter kit. Start, yeah. starter kit, okay? Mm -hmm. So you go download this, it's free. And teachers, I want you to engage with it. I want you to look at it. And then I want you to reach out to Mandy and say, okay, what you got for me? Go subscribe to her podcast when it comes out, do all of those things, okay? She's got mm -hmm. a ton of things on her website, and she has all of these resources for you. Parents, I want you to go look at this resource and think about what it might look like for your child. Because having been a teacher myself, and Mandy has experienced this as a teacher, we are open-minded, majority of us in the field, when <laughs> a parent brings us an idea. Now, don't go tell some teacher, like I heard Catherine say on her podcast that you have to run your classroom this way, because that's not true. Mandy nope. and Catherine are not telling anybody how to run their classroom. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're like, as teachers, we're like, nope, we know we're staying out of that arena. However, we are feeding you a resource, like literally like hand feeding you a resource that parents, if you see like, oh my gosh, like if that book reading idea made sense or the introduction of a new science concept makes sense in that way, you might actually help a teacher relieve their stress, improve their relationships with students and in their own personal life. And you get to then have a sustainable life at home if you just bring this idea to them. Have you heard about this? I think it might work for my child this way, maybe for some other students too. You can be the messenger of this method from parent to teacher, and you can do this in a proactive way. A parent-teacher conference would be a great format for this. Don't do this at the IEP table, right, Mandy? Like, no. Not. no. In front of, like, you know, the boss. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it in front of the boss, okay? Yeah. <laughs> an idea for, you know, we've got parent-teacher conferences. There's all, it's like, what do you, I mean, there's things to talk about sometimes, but other times it's like, you're so involved anyway, like, you know, what's going on. So it's like, what are we doing? This would be a great thing during a parent teacher conference to say, you know what, I saw this, I have this, can I forward it to you? Yeah. Uh, but okay, can you share a little bit? So that's how parents can use it. But tell the teachers, what are they going to see when they go to they're going to go to your website. So teach on slash starter kit slash starter kit. I'll have the link in the show notes here. Yep. Slash starter kit. So teach on a mission.com slash starter kit. They're going to see the ultimate flipped classroom starter kit. What are they going to see in that? Yeah. So it's a downloadable PDF essentially. Um, and it's going to help them kind of see, okay, is this right for me? Is this right for my students? Is this right for my classroom? And kind of start putting pieces together on what it could look like. So, um, a big question being accessibility, which, um, Really, accessibility is an equity thing now, right? Um, but it's it's also a big beast that's way bigger than any individual teacher. Um, but it's something we talk about. Um, we talk about can your are your students going to do homework or not, right? Are they going to do something? Because I know when I flip my AP Psychology class, right, very high high class. Yes, they're for the most part going to do homework. In my on level tenth grade American History class, are they going to do homework? Mm, no maybe 40% of them. So why would I set everybody up for failure 
by putting all the videos two to three times a week outside of class. That doesn't make sense, right? So there's some options there on, on how to make it work for your unique classroom. And that's really what the starter kit is all about. I love that. So, um, so you guys go grab her download for that. And then we have the sustainable teacher podcast, which I know is a new adventure. It's like, I love that you're coming into podcast world with us. Um, and so the sustainable teacher podcast, and right now it's going to be launching in the new year in 2021, we'll be having a challenge come up. So tell us a little bit about that because this is going to be published before that happens so that people can engage with that. And if you're listening to this as a replay, like six months later, just go subscribe to her podcast and then go go get the resources that you need because I know that you're going to have a ton of them there. So what's going to be happening as you launch into 2021 with the Sustainable Teacher Podcast? Yeah. So at the time we're recording, the it's going to be the Sustainable Teacher Challenge. It's a seven-day challenge um, starting on December 28th, a week leading up to when the podcast airs. Um, and every day I'll be sending to um, everybody's email inbox a video of me. I'm actually going to be recording those videos tomorrow <laughs> with just some training around, okay, what could this whole sustainability thing look like? Um, and how can we set up 2021, no matter what in the world our classroom looks like, so that I am a priority in the equation of what's best for my students, right? What's best for my students oftentimes means that the teacher is sacrificing something. And that doesn't have to be the case. It shouldn't be, right? The, the teacher should very much be the number one Um, variable, right? If we're getting all (laughs) mathy in that equation of what's best for our students. And so um, each day there'll be a video training. There's um, a downloadable like workbook um, that goes along with it. And we'll be in a private Facebook group collaborating and sharing around this idea of how can I make my career what I absolutely love and can show up for every day and be super effective with my students without sacrificing my dating life or my dog mom life or my, you know, my children, my family time, my personal health care, all of that. So, yes. And I, I love that you're very practical in your solutions. You know, right now there's a lot of, and this happens all the time. I mean, we go through different waves of chaos in our life and it's like, people tell you like, have self-care and then they give you 10 other things on your to-do list. And I want everybody to know that when you're talking sustainable, that you're talking reality, you're talking actionable steps. And these are not pie in the sky, kind of like, if you do these 10 things in the next seven days, you're going to have an extra four hours of free time. That's not what we're talking about. Nope, (laughs) not at all. This is like the real deal. So, okay, so you guys have the resources for Mandy. Um, So you're gonna go to teachonamission.com slash starter kit. You're gonna uh, go look for, uh, I'll have the link up when it's ready for for the sustainable podcast, sustainable teacher podcast. So you can have all of that. I want to encourage everybody who is listening right now who's in our special education community. If you sit at an IEP table, if you are a parent, teacher, admin, or therapist, and you want to continue this conversation on how to make this happen, the place where you and I can continue that conversation is inside of the special education inner circle. It's not just a podcast, guys. It's actually a place where we have a conversation, we continue the support, and that's at special 
innercircle.com. And that's where we can talk more things about Flipped Classroom. I've got a direct line to Mandy. I can go get some answers for you. We'll make sure that you get support over there. So um, specialedinnercircle.com is where you want to go. I also want to encourage you, if this was helpful to you, make sure you that you please share this with a teacher or parent who could use this information and hop over to iTunes and leave a review. Make sure that you leave a few words of encouragement of what you learned on this episode. The more reviews and feedback that we get, the more teachers and parents actually get exposure to this. iTunes will do all the work for us. We just need your feedback to make sure that we can reach more parents and teachers. So please make sure that you're taking advantage of all of the resources that Mandy has for you. Come continue the conversation at specialedinnercircle.com. Hop on iTunes and leave a review. I know that's a lot to do, but I promise you, we're here for you. We're supporting you. We're going to make sure that you are going to get out of this chaos, get out of this decision fatigue and move into a better place. So Mandy, I just want to say thank you for being yes. here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to talk shop. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm like, and I know we could do 14 more episodes on all the things of sustainable. So I'll be um, listening to all the resources that you have for teachers and for classrooms and for all these different methodologies. So I'm super excited to jump onto that. So um, bye, everyone. Until next time. Bye, guys.